Hey, Hoff. Why don't you start the movie? Holy shit. Which seems to be the way that I'm just starting the episodes now, which is fantastic. Hi, guys. It is moi, Terry Doty, uh, doing another solo episode of Obscure Chatter. Uh, it's been so long, and I haven't checked. But um, I think we're on episode... <gasps> I don't know. But welcome anyway. Uh, today I'm watching which is a show that hasn't been on my um, go-to list for very long as far as, a, oh, this is cute and I need a little pick-me-up. But it is definitely one of the cuter films that's on my list. And it was kind of slept on, which is surprising, but also not if you, like, if you were to just watch this, you'd be like, wait, why is so-and-so in this, and so-and-so, and so-and-so? If all these people are in this, why? And then, like, it's just, I think, a little too sugary sweet. But sometimes in the right <laughs> setting, sugary sweet is what you need. And I'm sure we all need a good, just feel-good escape movie. You know, one of those movies or, you know, television shows that you can have on that you don't have to invest too much of your attention to. You just want to kind of be there. And that's definitely been a plus for me as far as films and television and music, audiobooks, books have gone this past month. Um, for those of you who don't follow me on social media, uh, which if you don't, please do, because I post a lot of random stuff and try to differentiate like from platform to platform, the content on Twitter. I'm a lot more uh, texty on TikTok. I'm a lot more random on Instagram. I'm a lot more, hey, here's my art. Here's projects, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I think those are the only ones I've got going on anymore. Um, and I just did my first TikTok live stream today, and I think it went really well. Um, T-dotally. Everything is T-dotally. I live to have a nickname that Ned Flanders would give me. Um, but, I, okay, getting back to the, the subject at hand, I've posted a, a few things in the past month, um, some of which uh, more negative individuals have chosen to use uh, in not a great way, but that's their hang-up and not mine, so that's all I'll say on that. But uh, I learned that my grandmother passed away from COVID while uh, um, in her home, so or uh, in her nursing home, um, surrounded by people, um, a lot of family, closer family. I'm estranged from pretty much everybody, so I heard it in a very like, oh, by the way, do do do. Um, even being estranged, it it definitely stirs up emotions. I lived I lived with this woman for a year, a very hard woman that uh, had a lot of issues, but, you know, I'm grateful in a lot of ways. And, you know, anytime anybody passes uh, that you have a connection to, I, I think it would be wrong to say, and a lie to say that the, their death doesn't affect you. Um, 
but the the more intense one and this you know this speaks to issues and um just who I value but um I also had to say goodbye to my best friend of 7 years my dog Zoe and that one we uh she had a splenectomy in March uh like right before the shutdown um and that did that did clear up a lot of issues but I think it also sped up some stuff uh, namely her oral fibrosarcoma, which is a slow go- slow growing. It was slow growing, and then it just got to the point where she wasn't eating. Nothing interested her, and she was just kind of there. So we spoke to a few people and weighed her options. And then you worry about also just... Like, if I took her in, would I even get to see her? Or um, I I have another friend who has dogs, uh, and one of them had surgery, and they weren't allowed to even go in with their dog. It was just pull up, people take the dog, and then you're supposed to drive off and hopefully come pick your dog up a little while later. And that was just kind of terrifying because I was pretty sure that this was going to be me saying goodbye to Zoe, and uh, I just wanted her to be comfortable. So Zoe um, got to say goodbye in our home. We had a a hospice worker that came in, and I it just kind of further drove home the point that Zoe was ready to go because if anyone rings the doorbell or go uh you know just comes in zoe would go fucking crazy and she barely looked up to see this woman come in um all uh all respectful she was completely dressed up in her scrubs and wore a mask we wore our mask to respect her and uh i held zoe's face while the anesthesia went in and you saw her completely relax. And then as the actual needle is going in, um, this hospice worker said this beautiful prayer. And uh, I wasn't expecting that. But then she, the nurse, you know, just left. Uh, she said, I'll, I'll give you a few minutes. And Stephen and I got to spend some moments with her. And um, he helped the woman carry Zoe out, gave her a kiss goodbye. And yeah, you know, it's, it's kind it's hard. Um, I think as a child, when you deal with your first pet death, you think you're kind of being silly and that you'll grow out of it and when you're older it won't affect you but it always will at least in my case i've had several amazing dogs i've had lady who passed away too soon who's an american eskimo uh american eskimo is the same thing as a german spitz and she was uh in the yard with my mom one day while i was visiting my dad and a snake um came out of nowhere 
and jumped for my mom, lunged for my mom, and Lady jumped in the way and took the bite. Lady then uh, was going to be fine, but it just didn't work out. And I believe I've told this story, but that's a whole other story. And I'm not going to let this whole thing be a downer. It actually made me feel better to know that Zoe wasn't in pain anymore. And it still hurt, but um, it didn't feel necessarily right for a while. You know, your schedule is totally off after something like that. And Zoe was a big part of both mine and Stephen's life. So, um, just so y'all know, Terry is drinking wine in this episode. So, mm. oh, Stephen, that's a good one. Good choice. Uh, <clears throat> but Zoe came home a couple weeks later. We chose a really nice urn for her. And uh, the woman that took Zoe took care of everything. She uh, gave us the urn. Uh, she had co collected um, fur from different parts of Zoe and gave that to us. Some might find that morbid. Uh, I found that incredibly sweet. And uh, she also took a paw print. We didn't know that she was going to be doing any of that. Um, and took care of everything. And also, uh, between taking Zoe with her and giving Zoe back to us, she checked in with us multiple times. It's like, it, it really helped kind of show me humanity that I needed to see because I was getting a little <laughs> down in the dumps about people just in general. And this woman's uh, humanity and kindness really went a long way in such a tough situation. But so it's been kind of getting over that. Um, had a lot of grief food. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show. I'm pretty sure. But I established well on uh, when my father passed away that the official grief uh, mascot is chicken. Because that's typically when, uh, like what whatever kind of food someone brings over, you know, to be like, sorry for your loss. Here's a casserole. Here's uh, you know, here's this thing that I baked. It usually had chicken in it, and we had a lot of fried chicken. I like fried chicken. It's comfort. Um, there's this also this biscuit cafe near here that does like these like buttermilk biscuit chicken sandwiches. You know. <sighs> Who needs shitty Chick-fil-A on any given day? Anyway, especially on a Sunday. Um, when you can have a Southern-made biscuit to order with some fried chicken. Um, but probably had way too many of those uh, in the past month. And now we're, uh, we're actually at a really cool place where it seems like it's kind of early, but... We met with um, a couple that is looking to give their dog a, a new home because they've got a lot of different changes going on and their dog is not getting along with their other two dogs. So we met her today and I'm hopeful and I'll keep you guys posted on that. Uh, but aside from that, you know, the last episode was with Erica and I did take that uh, this last month off to not be <laughs> uh, 
too rushed into pushing back to normalcy with Zoe and uh, a whole mess of other stuff going on. But I really, 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 really uh, appreciate how understanding everybody was. And I, I, I enjoy doing this show. And I'm glad that we found the workaround that we can work with so many fantastic people uh, remotely. I do miss doing one-on-one, but it's not something that we can rush, obviously. I think a lot of people are like, yeah, but it's getting better. Like, no, it it's not getting better. It's just getting slightly less worse, if that makes sense. And you're just bored. It's a, oh, I think it's okay to go out now. Like, no, you've rationalized that it's okay to go out. I got to be real. I mentioned this on my live stream. Um, I happened to do uh, a little drop by for my friend Chris's uh, stepdaughter, uh, Rue, which if she's listening, hi, Rue. Uh, But uh, I found out her birthday was coming up and that she was familiar with Virgo and Fairy Tale and a few other people. Uh, that I voiced. And so we all wore masks and I dropped by, uh, dropped by to give her all, some stuff. It's kind of a happy birthday and, you know, to also make my ass get out of the house. But because it's me, I got there at least 30 minutes early. So I found out that they live right near one of my favorite thrift stores. Like this thrift store is amazing. It's uh, all volunteer run by uh, one of the local churches in Mansfield. That doesn't mean anything because there are so many churches. Um, but uh, I have found first editions, two different first editions for Stephen King in like near mint condition for like a dollar a piece that if I wanted to sell them, I would definitely make back my money, is what I would say. And I found another first edition that I still can't remember. Um, It's in my collection. Uh, But I decided, (laughs) oh, since I'm here, which is, Mansfield's a little far for me, but I made the trip. Pardon me, I'm a little burpy. And (laughs) it was one of the worst decisions because I clearly was not ready I clearly wasn't ready to be going out in public. I'd gone from not really going out at all to, um, I, I, I've been lucky enough to have Steven be going, be the one to go to the, the grocery store. Uh, I feel weird about the both of us going, even though I think it's okay, but I still caution the wind doesn't seem like the right course of action, you know? Because of a pandemic. So he's been going. And aside from that, most of my work, even though I've been busy, has been from home or through zero contact stuff. I don't know why I decided today's my day to go out for the first time alone. Um, And this thrift store did have a mask policy, which most places should. But I got to say that whenever I go out, at least in my area, masks definitely look optional. And I don't get it, but, <clears throat> you know, we we can have a whole thing on that, but let's not. Let's try to keep it positive. Mm. Ah, wine. Um, oh, he's so beautiful. Stephen, why is he so beautiful? Don't answer that. <laughs> Sorry, but. You're secure enough with your sexuality that I think you can agree he is. Um, But 
yeah, I, I went in and, you know, you see these arrows on like the floor that dictate, you know, how you're supposed to like directions you're supposed to walk. Nobody's fucking doing that. And all I want to do is get to the books and the books. I don't know why I had it in my head that people would be donating like books the way they normally would because they had nothing of substance. Not a damn thing. I even looked in like chapter YA, you know, like what they consider like preteen, like that not quite young. They had nothing. Nothing. So whatever it is. Um, but it was so like, um, like maybe I can still walk around and I just kept inadvertently falling into these clusters of people. We're all wearing masks, but it's still like, uh, oh, this is too much. (laughs) And I got out of the store, got into my car and kind of like had to recollect myself. Maybe I was on the verge of a panic attack. Um, and then went to Sonic and just sat there with my Route 44, and I'm like, this is as social as I should be. La-da-da. And I hope you guys are having better experiences than me out in the wild. And, uh, you know, I've been on TikTok now for a few months, and I think very short, very quickly, the algorithm decided that I should see all these, like, Karens getting there, you know, getting told off and all that stuff. I'm like, that's fine and all, but it's just, it's not me. Like, I'll call someone on some bullshit, but I I just don't feel the need to, like, upload it unless it's like, hey, this woman, like, smacked a child. Let's find her. (laughs) And even then, I'd argue that I'd probably show that to the cops. I don't know. It's whatever. Cops are a whole other thing right now, aren't they? But here we are. It's hard to stay positive. And then I think there's also this belief that you're just not trying hard enough if you can't see a positive to this. But then there's also that toxic positivity, like constantly feeling as if you're wrong for not trying, for not seeing the sunny side, I think is as destructive, if not more so. Because you're supposed to be sad sometimes. You're supposed to be angry sometimes. And I think those feelings can go a long way to helping you cope with things uh, rather than feel that (laughs) you need to be like, what's the upside to this? You know, if I had never gotten stabbed in the gut, I wouldn't have learned that I'm allergic to penicillin. I don't know how those are connected, but yeah, like, maybe you're just better than me if you can see the bright side to that or something like that. But uh, before the break, we also uh, on Twitter, if you're not following Obscure Chatter on Twitter, it's just at Obscure Chatter. Um, Please follow that if you want to have your questions uh, brought up on, I'd say on air, one second, I got an itch. Um, if you want them brought up, 
that's an easy way to do it. I also have an email that you guys can reach us at if you're not on Twitter. It's perpetuallyoffbeat at gmail.com. That's the way to reach us. And a couple of people sent some stuff. But um, this was before the break. And we did have one uh, someone send us something after uh, so I appreciate all that, and please continue to do so, because I uh, I wasn't expecting to do so many solo shows, but with remote setups and the fact that so many of us are really trying to minimize stress, sometimes even just talking to someone and trying to like figure out all the, the tweaks in here and there, um, sometimes that's a lot, and uh, I want my friends to be able to take care of themselves, so... We, I do have at least three guests lined up for the future, but we've just all been taking it easy as far as scheduling goes and playing it by ear. So I will definitely let you guys know. But that in mind, let's get to some questions. Now, I did have a couple that were well meant, um, but they wanted to talk about issues or not necessarily issues things that people tried to make issues. Uh, I, re- I really appreciate the questions, but there's just so much going on. Uh, I just don't think it's worth giving uh, drama for the sake of drama's sake, uh, the time of day. So I skipped over those, but please don't take it personally. And uh, in the future, I look forward to more of your questions because you guys sent some really great stuff. And let's see, we also have, I'll go ahead and go with the first one. And this is from Joey Hickman, which Joey, uh, you and I have talked a few times and I really appreciate uh, anytime we get to chat. So thank you for sending something. Says, so I'm making a video I need to do some VO for um, and figured you're a great person to ask. What are some common pratfalls that you find in beginners when it comes to VO? Are there any tricks that a newcomer could use to find their legs? Tricks. That's a good one, isn't it, Hoff? Uh, let's see. So, when I first started doing voiceover, it was, uh, I was... I say when I first, uh, but honestly, I think you could put my start back to the fact I used to do the morning announcements in high school, and uh, I still never really, (laughs) hearing people my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, I was like, oh man, it's like that that setup, you know, like we're going to have a microphone and da-da-da-da-da, and then uh, at the end of my junior year... um, I applied to be um, an announcer for my senior year. And me and my friend Emmanuel, my friend Danielle, and a girl I also went to school with, Rayla, um, we were all chosen, which was all really confusing to us because <laughs> the four, we were like, there's usually two people. Uh, why are there four of us? And they're like, well, we were thinking we could do an A-day, B-day thing. Because we, uh, I went to a school where sometimes it was A day, sometimes it was B day. It's like so we had four classes a day, but those were pretty long classes. I hated it. I hated it so much. Um, but it was probably better than doing you know smaller eight hour or like eight classes in a smaller amount of time. But they they were like, so how do you guys want to 
like pair up and Emmanuel and I immediately clutched each other. We're like, like we're a team. <laughs> like no offense to Danielle, but we're a team because in junior high in computer class, when it was, it was so rare, like, Hey, they trust us with the nice software. Ah. <laughs> I went to a high school that was like, I went to a high school and a junior high that depending on where you lived, it's like, oh, what high school did you go to? Like, I went here. They're like, oh, I'm like, oh, shut up. I loved my high school. Y'all can fuck off with your, like, assumptions. But um, we went to uh, Hutchison Junior High, which is no longer there. Uh, they tore it down. Um, but they had, like, this state-of-the-art stuff uh, in this computer class where you could, you know, look at becoming you know, um, a meteorologist, or you could be a radio DJ, and da-da-da. So they would let us, weeks at a time, pair up and, like, jump from station to station. And there was a point, and I remember that it was in December 97, because that was the week that Titanic came out. I'm dating myself so fucking hard right now. (laughs) Uh, But, um... Emmanuel and I did this little radio thing. So we just did this back and forth thing talking about growing up um, in a Mexican household and all this. And then Emmanuel and I just kind of remembered that, like that it was fun. So when they're like, how do you want to pair up? We did that together. And so when we get in, I'm like, I'm waiting for like, all right, I'm waiting for this fucking just like microphone where I'm going to like my truth. Okay, like we got like five minutes at the top of like second period. I don't know what I was thinking. And it was a phone. I was so let down. It wasn't a microphone at all. And you had to dial out to become like the announcer of wherever you were. And I still managed to get in trouble sometimes. There was at one point I heard, um, I just kept hearing a delay, and so I kept talking on, on during the announcements about this weird delay I was hearing. <laughs> um, and teachers, of course, would get upset. Uh, and there was a point where my friend Emmanuel had just won Homecoming King, and Emmanuel was a very out gay man, uh, even as we were younger, and I was so proud of him. But, of course, small minds are everywhere, and people were really upset that a gay man won Homecoming King. I wasn't paying attention while we were doing a promotion for The King and I, where Emmanuel was the lead. And I even wrote the copy for this, and I managed to fuck it up so stupidly that I still want to kick my past self in the butt very hard. And I got a big butt, so it would have been a hefty kick. But I said, come see your homecoming queen in The King and I. And Emmanuel's my co-host. And he went, King. And I go, I said, King. And he went, no, you didn't. This entire school can hear this. And I went, yes, I did. And he went, you said queen. And I went, oh, my God, I did. (gasps) Oh, my God, dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, it's fine. It's fine. And then, like, yeah, um... I had to buy him like a lot of pretty things and say a lot of pretty words. Just And I, oh God, I can't take that back. But to get to your actual question, Joey, I think I often pretend that the microphone isn't in front of me. But when you're first starting out, 
I think you're really just in your head about how you sound. I still am to this day. Uh, When I was interning at Funimation, one of my directors that I shadowed was Tatum, J. Michael Tatum, who ended up becoming a friend very quickly because of this internship. But there was a point where he was looking to replace an actress that, um, uh, for for whatever reason, just didn't work out for this role. And the role ended up being uh, the Annie Chapman character in uh, Romeo x Juliet. And I was like, yeah, uh, let's, let's do that. Um, do you want me to, and then I was like, do you want me to like do my, my normal, like my normal voice, like my low voice? And he like very much quirked up, like, what are you talking about? You don't have a low voice. You have a medium range voice. I'm like, no, I have a low voice. And he's like, I really suggest you start recording yourself more because no. What do you sing? I'm like, I sang soprano until I switched over to alto. And he's like, you can't just switch over to alto. <laughs> and he was right. And it, I cut back to, in my mind, cut back to my choir teacher being like, I mean, if you really want, but like, well, we're going to put you right next to the sopranos. <laughs> um, so I think owning your voice, uh, because the uh, your ears being so close to your, like, your vocal cords and everything, everything's so closely connected right here as I grab this and you can't see it. It just gives a false sense of what we're hearing. Um, having a talk back, like having these headphones with me right now, um, which I didn't even do really during that anime show. Like we just had microphones in front of us and talked and it wasn't until later that I'm like, I sound really raspy. I didn't realize that today. Mm-hmm. Um, but newcomer tricks... Uh, a big thing that I did was uh, I grew up with a lisp, very bad, prominent lisp, and I still deal with it uh, occasionally. But um, not trying to hide it, but just cleaning up a take. I think uh, watching your placement on the microphone itself in your distance goes a long way. Like right now I'm getting even closer to the microphone, but as I back off, it's going to get a little quieter and a little quieter. Um, I think a lot of people think if they're going to shout, they need to back up. That's typically something, even in a very rudimentary setup, you can control and you don't have to back away from the microphone because the second you back away, you're also letting all this room noise get in, and then you could start making it about echoes and blah, blah, blah. Where you're recording is also a big thing. I, my first booth, official booth, was a laundry room that um, could just close on all all three sides around the the. Uh, the towered washer and dryer setup, you know, washer on the uh, bottom, dryer on the top. Uh, I, uh, but if you just close the stuff around it, it had a pretty nice little boxy setup. So what I did was I just put moving blankets around all four sides and then put a microphone in there. Uh, I recorded my friend Joel's first demo in that. (laughs) Um, A lot of um, horror movie stuff. And uh, just uh, 
sound design for haunted houses all got recorded out of there. And to this day, I'm really proud to hear some of that stuff. It's only very rarely that I'll cringe at something I used to record. But if you're going to record uh, to video, um, I would record that last. I will say, as someone that went to school for film, um, it took me a while to really appreciate the audio aspect of it. And I think a good chunk of the time, whenever you're watching something, you can tell when someone, uh, when there wasn't a person on set or on the crew that was an audio person. Because those are typically the things that you keep turning up and turning down as you're watching it, depending on the scene. Um, So make sure to balance your audio. Uh, Don't let it fight you too much. You just want it to where it's a nice, even tone throughout. And if you do have to shout or whatever, you're going to have to look at your levels. I hope that's helpful. Hoff, am I forgetting anything here? Or is there anything you would say? Yeah, I hope that helps. Um, For me, when I first started doing just film, and this is before I really got into the audio aspect, um, when I wanted to add music, oh my God, it's like, hey, here's this really quiet thing. And then here is the music. I'm going to make you deaf because you were listening really close. That's not how I sing. And... (laughs) It pissed off my teacher all the time, but I didn't realize it because he never said anything until I was working on a a project and I had just started seeing Steven. We were just like very barely boyfriend and girlfriend at this point, and I had him just listen to a project I was doing, and he suggested a couple of tweaks to the audio, and my teacher immediately brought that up when (laughs) when I showed it to him, and he's like, oh my god. Thank you for figuring out this. And I was like, what? He's like, it was driving me crazy. But my focus was on directing and writing and producing. It wasn't about audio for me, so it had just never occurred to me before. And now I'm like, why don't people care more about audio? Why haven't they learned what I have learned? That it's just, they haven't fucked up yet. So I wish you luck in your audible journey. I mean, not audible, like the audio, but you get what I'm saying. <sighs> I, I really do hope that helps. Mm. They're both so young here, Steven. All right, let's see. What else have we got? Uh, this is from Marcus, uh, who have also spoken to a little bit. Uh, what up, man? Okay, so... It's, of course, no surprise to anyone what a large horror fan you are. I'm a really big horror dork. Um, My question to you is, what are your favorite themes, musical pieces, soundtracks of these films, and do you ever utilize them to help spark your personal creativity? Ooh. That's a good one. The short answer, yes. The long answer, Oh my god. Um, the first one, like, you sent this to me a while ago, and you would think that I would have written some of these down, but the first one that comes to mind is also one that I constantly argue isn't a horror movie, but, um, uh, we, I talked about it on the show with Erica, but someone definitely, uh, like, I follow Bloody Disgusting and Fangoria, and they had brought up The Craft, and, uh, I was like, is The Craft even a horror movie? 
And someone was like, genre is really, like, it really means nothing in the grand scheme. It's a marketing thing. If you don't put the craft in horror, where do you put it? And da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, holy shit, she totally schooled me on this. Um, But the craft introduced me to so many um, bands that I'd never heard of. Um, I listened to everything growing up, but... um, my mother really stressed Tejano, like, and I'm grateful to that, because uh, that's how I fell in love with Selena. Um, Selena was a really big deal, especially when I learned more and more about her. Um, but it, um, I did, and I did learn a lot of Spanish uh, just through trying to tear apart songs of hers, and uh, and I also listened to a lot of hip hop. I I loved oh my gosh TLC Salt and Pepper, uh, and a whole mess of like newer ones too like um or like younger younger ones like uh like Immature, um or uh, LL Cool J Brandy, um but I couldn't really storyboard to a lot of things with words. Uh, for me, that's really distracting if I'm just listening something listening to something uh but they definitely do i mean even when they do have words i mean my brain is a computer so sometimes it's just a ooh my brain really likes this and then i'll start <laughs> it's that thing like oh i love this song i'm going to play it until i hate it <laughs> it's never really been a thing for me um but I listen to, for uh, one of few, I listen to a lot of the Fringe OST, um, which I would argue is in the horror genre uh, for a lot of that stuff, but it's sci-fi fantasy as well. Uh, Blade, the Blade movies, especially one and two, three, do whatever you want. I don't mm, Ryan Reynolds is in it. There's that. Mm, uh, but... Uh, like that got me into, uh, I think it was the first Blade or the second one. Um, uh, that's what got me interested in Chemical Brothers and maybe Crystal Method. Um, but also, uh, a really big one that I'm so shocked my grandmother let me watch, uh, was The Crow. The Crow. Oh my God. I still have the CD. Granted, I lost mine, and I now have have Stevens, and the only place I can play it is in my car, (laughs) and my car is very old. But yeah, it's got The Cure, Nine Inch Nails, uh, a whole mess of beautiful music. Um, And I I storyboard to that still. Um, And there's also uh, Josh... Ashley's stuff, his stuff, the uh, I Will Never Be the Same is, I think, what his band is called. But it's got, he's got some of the best stuff on there. Um, yeah, I listen, but as far as horror, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I really do love John Carpenter and what he did with Halloween. Um, but also, I think a lot of the, the horror movies that I like from the 80s and 90s, I think horror just, uh, especially like the splatterpunk stuff, uh, they were like an MTV, you know, marriage made in hell, beautiful hell 
you know, I think the first thing that comes to mind is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, you know, Doc in the With our Dream Warriors. Like, they wrote that song for that movie, for crying out loud. It's a great song um, that if someone just kind of has it on, because I do have the, those earwigs, like, all someone has to do is be like, oh, hey, turn around. And I'm like, every now and then, if someone just says Dream Warriors, it gets really quiet. And then I'm like, Dream! Warriors don't want to dream no more. Uh, beautiful, right? I know, <laughs> but it uh, it really depends on the like. I've got one of few, which I'm working on the second book right now when I can, and then I've got the following series that I'm doing prep work for and doing world building for, which is more supernatural. Um, that I won't talk about. I, I it always is so damning to talk too much about something that isn't remotely tangible yet. Uh, at least for me. But I li- I've got different soundtracks for everything, and I've also got different Pinterest boards. And sometimes when I'm creating Pinterest boards, um, I also name. I'm like, when looking at this photo, play this track. Yeah. And I also, like, as far as horror, not necessarily film, I listen to the Buffy soundtrack a lot because music, you know, playing at the bronze and different bands like uh, Chibomato and stuff like that, um, I, I listen to it all. It got me into so many different bands. So, yes, that is just themes, musical soundtracks. Those are the ones that immediately come to mind. The second I get out of this booth, I'm going to think of the 20 that are itching to, like, solidify in my brain. But I hope that answers your question. Not saying then what else. I got something from Rick. Hi, Rick. Ah, I love you so much. And he asks... How do you feel representation in movies and mainstream media has progressed over the last decade or so? How do you think they could improve upon it? Oh, my. I feel like we're in a much better place, but we're nowhere where we need to be. And as far as representation, I'm talking about pretty much in every respect. Uh, Like watching older, that's the thing sometimes, uh, like when Stephen and I were talking, uh, we talk about movies uh, that were dear to us. There's some movies that I'm afraid to revisit because they don't stand the test of time. Um, Or television shows, uh, like rewatching Buffy, uh, I was re-watching Buffy, and there was an episode where Xander... Like, it's the episode... Spoiler alert. Uh, it's the episode where there's a werewolf, and it's very clear that the werewolf goes to their... Uh, goes to Sunnydale High, you guys. Shocker. Um, so, um, it uh, it gets to the point where Xander confronts who he thinks is the werewolf. And he's like... People are going to know, man, like this secret's going to come out. And the, the, you know, he's this character has been the jackass, like stupid high school jock up to this point. And the jock is like, how are uh, like, uh, how are people going to react when they find out I'm gay? And that's played for a laugh. A very 
sad laugh at that. And Xander, of course, backs out all like, because, oh no, a gay man, you don't want to catch it. (laughs) Oh, God. And then um, it gets to later on in the series, I believe it's the next season, and Xander is trying to figure something out, and he goes to this character again and says, you know, uh, how are you dealing with everything? And the character is like, what, the fact that I'm gay? Yeah, dude, I'm out, whatever. Um, But it's still the way, it's not even, it's not that there's a gay character. It's the way, it's the world that you've put this gay character in, where he's still viewed by the person interacting with him as different or other. Um, That just wouldn't translate now. That would be a very, like, unless you put that in the scope of the time, which I would argue still wouldn't excuse it because it was the late 90s. I I don't think, because, I mean, that was, I was a teenager in the late 90s, early 2000s, and I dated girls as well as guys, and some of my best friends were uh, gay or in trans, or, you know, like, in the middle of figuring out really that they were possibly trans. Um, and it just didn't gel with me. Um, and re-watching it again as an older adult, uh, I'm like, oh, there's some things that are are played for the wrong reasons. Uh, but then I watch like newer stuff and I'm like, oh my God, I would have loved, and and the main thing that I take away whenever I see like a gay character just living and, uh, not being like a, oh, that's the gay kid. It's a, oh, that's Simon. Uh, I'm not referring to the Simon in love, um, or Simon versus homo sapiens, uh, because that's all about him hiding his sexuality. Uh, is a good book. Um, I haven't seen the movie or the show following that I think is about Victor. Uh, but I would definitely, I mean, but the thing is, I'm like, how great is it that you can have that out now? Um, because I watch some of these things or I read some of these things. I'm like, I would have loved to have read that as a kid. Um, because when you read older stuff or you watch older stuff, sometimes uh, there's a lot of queer coding where um, there are people that represent the underrepresented that still have to code their stuff, and you either get it or you don't. Uh, For me, also, representation definitely is about more than sexuality and gender identity. It's about race, and we're... Uh, we've obviously got a long way to go. Uh, for me, again, it was very much the same thing. Is I would be, I was watching. Oh my god, I don't remember this, but I distinctly remember turning to Stephen at one point and being like, "Where the fuck was this kind of shit when I was going through the exact same thing?" And it's about, um, oh god, I don't remember what it was, but I grew up with a Mexican mom and a white dad, and. I didn't feel weird about that until I started going to school, uh, where I was told it's weird that your mom isn't white, or or sometimes it's weird that your dad is white, and it's weird that you're both. So are you white 
or are you Mexican? I wasn't allowed to be both, and I felt really weird about it. Uh, So what are you supposed to feel whenever you're constantly being told, pick one and stick to that? And um, I'm just now seeing, like, where I'm seeing characters be like, no, I don't have to choose. That hang-up is not mine. That's yours. Don't put that on me. And it's just so fucking refreshing. But then on top of that, um, I think we're just now seeing the harm versus the good of the White Savior movie. I, (laughs) you know, there's like, oh, I love, what was it? When... The unfortunate incident of George Floyd happened, and uh, the protests, and we'll not talk about everything else that is transpiring to destroy what the movement actually is, and the want to just be seen as equal. Uh, When that happened, what was the most trending movie on Netflix. It was The Help. The fucking Help. The White Savior movie. A movie that Viola Davis herself was like, this is not the movie I thought we were making. Um, so I think movies and television have the opportunity to do more than entertain but they also have just the fantastic chance to educate. Um, And sometimes, rather than be like, well, we didn't know that this was going to be controversial, um, or we didn't realize that this doesn't represent, you know, uh, trans people um, or black people or Mexican people, gay people, queer people, just people other than the straight white man. The reason they didn't know is because they didn't have who they're trying to profit off of on set. I want to live in a world that I grew up in, a world that was colorful and full of different points of view, but didn't necessarily mean that one was wrong and the other was right. And we're not there yet. And if anything, I feel like we've taken a giant step backward because we're fighting against stuff that we never really thought that we would have to fight against. We thought that the stuff that is coming up is a thing of history books and a thing that Maybe my mother had to deal with on the tail end, but that's over now. And it wasn't. It just wasn't visible anymore. It was hidden. But because of the world we live in, it's just more apparent now that we are nowhere near where we need to be. So uh, I think representation starts at the base level. And that's having people involved that you actually want to represent. You want to do a queer story? Have queer people there. 
<laughs> you want to do stories about whether they're historical or fantastical, if <sighs> have people that you are representing actually represented in the writer's room, on set, in front of and behind the camera, it's, it's really not asking a lot. To some people, it seems as though it is. And unfortunately, those are the people making decisions. But we're in a great spot. We're in a great spot where I think one thing about the pandemic has shown us is because um, there isn't so much new content coming in. It's forcing people to readjust to what we see as content and as palatable. So there's a real opportunity here. And I'm really excited, and I hope uh, I hope this speaks to what is what is potential in the coming years, um, if that makes any sense whatsoever. But I just <sighs> I was trying to explain this, and uh, I don't know if I did very well to a friend of mine because we were talking about Power Rangers. <laughs> It's a, a show that I really, really enjoy and enjoyed. Like um, when I first met um, Richard Horowitz, I totally had to be like, <laughs> and he's like, hey, and we were actually working uh, uh, together, you know, um, help. I was uh, helping him and uh, Stephen out uh, as Richard was uh, teaching classes. And I was just kind of there to help Richard with whatever he needed since um, he he was working with Stephen that day. And it took like everything in my hat and like in my bag of tricks to act cool about it. But my kid brain's like, alpha five. Oh my God. But um, I was talking about Power Rangers with a friend and we're all talking, you have to talk about, and it's the same thing when you were a kid, like, who's your favorite Power Ranger? And people are like, Tommy. Tommy is the big one. Tommy. And if you were a girl, Kimberly. Rarely Trini. And Trini was my favorite. And um, they're like, oh, Trini was kind of lame. I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh, Trini and Zach are who I wanted to focus on. And Trini and Zach are the ones that just didn't get the attention that I thought they deserved. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because they're the the closest thing to me on screen. And it was like, oh, like, I want to see me. And then the argument is, well, you look white. I'm like, yes, I'm not, though. I want to see the non-white character have a storyline. And I'm sure Trini did. I can't remember stuff. And I'm sure Zach did. And then what was it? Uh, the Red Ranger, the Black Ranger, and the Yellow Ranger, I think at uh, one point, negotiations fell through. And then they were replaced. And that's how we met, you know, like, um, Adam, Rocky, and Aisha. That's right. I remembered that shit. And, of course, Adam, um, I've worked and gone to conventions with Johnny. And Johnny's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> but... Yeah, it's just a totally different... It, for my kid self, it wasn't like a, oh, I guess I get it more now. It was just, hmm. Or when I... Uh, again, I'm going to use Buffy because Buffy was a big deal to me as a kid. I loved Kendra. 
<laughs> and Kendra lasted two episodes before they killed her. <laughs> uh, and then we got Faith. I'm like, uh, I was really excited there for a second. Never mind. <laughs> um, I will always try to identify, and I do still obviously identify with other stories, but as a kid, when you have all these cousins from uh, <laughs> all these various places and all of us are together trying to watch something that we all enjoy, if all we're seeing is how cool all the white characters are and how sidelined the characters of color and the characters that are just considered other are, it can be disheartening, depending on your mood. So in that respect, I think we've come a very long way, but we still got a long way to go. And I hope that, hope that helps. And then there was silence. I got distracted by the movie. Sorry. Oh my gosh. It has been such, it feels like so much time has passed since the last episode. And it's just because so much has happened. And I don't know about you guys, but there is just this wave of fatigue that hits me at least once a day where it's just, I I have a phone, two Kindles, when one Kindle is running low. I have, I just got an iPad. I just got an iPad. I have my laptop, I have my desktop, and then I have my studio computer. So there are a bunch of ways for me to Google how horrible the world is. Um, not the Kindle. The Kindle will just uh, freeze occasionally and uh, then update forever. But I like my iPad right now, so yay. <sighs> but there's just this moment where, damn it, Steven, <laughs> you and Mo are distracting me. I have my iPad in here, or my my phone, my iWatch. Um, but I uh, I have to turn off everything and kind of step away, especially when I'm in the writing place. Uh, there's a a show that I just watched, and I'm in the midst of revisiting the book called "I'll Be Gone in the Dark" by Michelle McNamara, and um. The six-part series from HBO is something that I encourage everybody to check out, but do know that it is, it's a lot, because it's about the Golden State Killer, so it has, it has to do with some really heavy shit. But there's just a point in the writing process that Patton brought up, because his wife was kind of just trying to you know, get her first book out. She'd written a lot, but this was her first book. And it also required her to do the thing that a lot of writers hate to do, which is talk about themselves. Like, no, I want to live in this fantastical world. Or if you're dealing with facts, I want to live in those facts. I want to hide myself in those facts. But in order to write successfully, all the outside world has to fall away. And as much as I enjoy reading dystopian futures or dystopian worlds um, about them, living in them, and overcoming them, 
it's really hard to get lost just as a reader right now. I don't know about for y'all, but as a reader and watcher, I was trying to revisit Hunger Games and uh, through the audiobook with Tatiana Maslany. And it's like, Hunger Games is hitting a little different right now, y'all. <laughs> um, and then uh, Stephen and I were watching Mayhem with Stephen Yun in it, uh, who's a really big crush of mine. I love him. And I wish he did more things, and he needs to. Please, thank you. That would be great. Uh, but, of course, it's about this virus that can overtake you and fill you with rage. And Stephen and I, it just kept, like, like talking about the spreading of this virus. And I'm like, we just can't, just can't escape it. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and then, of course, there are other things. Like, I... I I get upset with myself sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, I can't escape it. I'm like, how privileged does that sound compared to other friends of mine or uh, just other people in general that are dealing with some like monumentally heavy shit that they can't just zone out on? Um, so when it comes to writing right now, um, I wrote a show that just started. Um, and that took away time from the book. But whenever I finally got some time to get back to my book, there was that moment of just kind of standing or sitting in front of the keyboard, fingers hovering over the the letters and going, fuck. <laughs> you know, uh, if you haven't read the first book, um, as I'm writing the second one, I'll let you know that it's um, a book about uh, a very special woman, one that's only uh, that only has ten other people that have her abilities, and they live in a world that's ruled by an alien race, and she ends up getting rescued. Uh, and it's it has to deal a lot with self discovery, um, ability. There's a lot of fantastical elements too, but where I live is the dialogue, and there are points when I'm t- having these characters in book two talk, and I won't remember what I've read or what I've written, and then I'll read it back and be like, "Holy shit!" I can tell you exactly what happened that day. Through that dialogue, I can tell you exactly what was going on with me that day um, or what was going on in the world. (laughs) And then there's also just knowing when to step back and be like, nothing I attempt to force out right now is going to be any good. So I just need to take a step back and readjust. I have the luxury of taking a step back and readjusting. And I encourage anybody that can to please do so. Uh, it It's just a nightmare world right now. I understand that. Um, I'm not happy about it. And I worry so much about the future. But I do look for those little pockets of happy. Like, I'm so fortunate to have my guy with me. And because uh, there was a point where I... I had kind of, 
I didn't mean to, but I definitely ghosted a few people this past month. Um, you know, that just happens, especially when you're dealing with something like uh, the death of a loved one. And I, I caught up with a few people in the past couple of days, and it's me just apologizing profusely, and every single one of them being like, why are you apologizing? Like, well, it's just, I made this promise to you. My word does mean a lot. So whenever I don't come through, that it it hurts me to know that I, I didn't come through. And you've got the people that you're apologizing to being like, you not coming through is not a personal failure. <laughs> you just had a bad day or a bad week or a bad month. Or in everybody's case, a bad fucking year. Like, I jokingly brought this up, but whenever I ask, how are you, it is really fucking weird for someone to be like, fantastic. I don't want to hear that shit. That very obvious lie. Because if it's not a lie and everybody else's shit is on fire, I know that you're a villain in this story. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, But yeah, like, we we all look at the positive little snippets here and there, but then there's knowing when to be vocal about stuff. And it's a weird moment right now as far as social media goes because there are some people that have asked me if I should maybe scale it back. Like, I am... I obviously... I don't say this, obviously, but if there's any shadow of a doubt, let me clear that up now. I am very upset with Trump. (laughs) I always have been. I didn't realize how much until after he was elected. Of course, I did not vote for him. Um, And I had all these people messaging me, asking me if I was okay. And I was so confused why. And then, you know, a few months down the line, I'm like, oh, I just kind of like deadened myself to what was coming. Um, So many people personally affected. Um, But even if they even if I wasn't personally or linked to some of that stuff, uh, I just think right now it is pretty damn irresponsible to not uh, to not own up to the fact that this is a pretty fucked up situation y'all but you know if you don't think so i it's i i really don't know what to say to you i have dealt with some of the worst people imaginable i've seen some horrible stuff in my life i've seen people get shot in the face at point-blank range. I've seen people get stabbed. I've watched a friend get dragged into a car after being roofied. Uh, you know, I, I've seen horrible parts of humanity. Um, side note, I caught my friend before that guy drove off with her, and uh, I was very happy that I caught her in time, because... That probably would have ended very, very badly. But on top of, uh, and there are other stories too, like we could talk about that all damn day. I'm saying I've seen some horrible stuff, but I've also seen the beauty of people. And I just 
want to focus on that. But God damn it, it's hard some days and sometimes. I feel so lucky to have so many friends that can look at uh, look at the world as a brighter place than I can. And my world is brighter for having people like them in my life. Having people that aren't as cynical as me <laughs> definitely helps. And I'm sure it grounds them in a different way. You know, it's it's a mutually beneficial relationship. But then there are times lately when I see my uber-positive friends, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they're just like, Eeyore, like, I don't know. I'm like, no, you broke her! Why? (laughs) But right now, I mean, you just have to look for that, those little bright bits that only darkness can truly illuminate. You know, whenever you've got a blanket over your head and it's daylight and you see through the stitchings of the blanket, I'm looking for those bits. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it makes sense to me. And as far as the negativity, it's definitely amped up. Actually, since I mentioned that my grandmother died of COVID, uh, some people have, and I, I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'll touch on it. I'll be a hypocrite and like go back, blah, 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 blah. Um, the odd thing is it's using something to fit a narrative, uh, to fit the like a see, look how monstrous da-da-da is. And it's just so odd to me. I've seen how this disease has destroyed and broken up families and uh and the anti-masker people like Stephen at one point just went grocery shopping with a mask on and a guy followed him like a oh whoa like you're wearing a mask blah 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 like dude bro what are you doing (laughs) uh it's just a really weird time really really weird but Online, what I have to remember is, though I am working uh, and thankfully busy, not everyone is, and they're using that not to raise themselves up, but to tear others down. And that is not anything to do with me. And nothing to do with you. So, boom. I found that my speed reading has gotten better, which it was already kind of insane, right? Uh, Before this, I was reading about three to seven books a week, and now I'm about at five to 15. Uh, That's including comics, by the way. (laughs) Uh, I include comics. Um, But and graphic novels, just all that stuff. But I have, uh, I've been very hesitant to read new stuff. Am I alone here? Like watching new movies, watching new TV shows, reading new media, 
be uh, like outside of like, hey, I need to know what the fuck's going on right now. Like, I need the new COVID numbers. I need to know what this fucking idiot said today. Uh, like, da 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 da. Like, uh, outside of that, and I think it's because there's already so much uncertainty that I just want to stay in my comfort zone. I want to stay in a place that I know where, uh, like, what's going to happen to who, when. And that I can just live in my protective bubble in that way. But just recently, um, I started, uh, or I'm revisiting already, uh, the Sandman audiobook. Um, I don't know if I can talk about this enough. Uh, It blew my fucking mind. Uh, If you haven't heard it yet, I swear to God, you are doing yourself a disservice. The cast, the vocal cast is phenomenal. It is fucking beautifully done. Uh, It is what I strive my audiobooks to be, but, I mean, it blows mine out of the water and didn't even bother to look back at how much it, like, threw me to landlocked territory. It, it, uh, and that is fine, but um, that was a nice kind of, like, both worlds thing. It was new, but also not, because I I love the Sandman series. Shocking no one, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but it it's something that I really, I got lost in. I would be in the middle of doing yoga during that first pass and, uh, like, just fall out of a pose because I'm like, oh, my God! James McAvoy is dream, sleep, Morpheus, all that, and it is... Uh, it, it's something I don't, I didn't realize I needed in a really weird way. It, it was like having someone, yeah, like an audio, any good audiobook. It was like someone performing in front of me. It was like seeing a live radio show. Um, but because I know the comics so well, I still remember the imagery and, I think it's also for people that maybe won't give something that came out in like the late 80s, early 90s, uh, maybe are hesitant to give something that old or maybe something that's got that much clout behind it. For me, as a counterculture jerk a good chunk of the time, if someone's like, oh, like if everybody had been, uh, it was basically, it's basically like a comic Orange is the New Black. When people gave a fuck about Orange is the New Black, they're like, oh my god, you have to see it, you have to see it. I saw it uh, when nobody told me to see it, and I liked it, and then liked it less as it went on. But if everybody had been on my ass about reading Sandman, there's no way I would have read it. I just kind of happened upon an old uh, copy of Volume 1, and then just fell in love with it. And this, and they're going to be recording more from what I hear, I'm also obsessed with Neil Gaiman's voice. I have been since he narrated the Graveyard book for me. But the cast, including McAvoy's, Kat Dennings, uh, Riz Ahmed, uh, Michael Michael Sheen, um, Taryn, oh my god, what's his last name? He was in Kingsman and the Elton John movie. Uh, he plays uh, John Constantine. Uh, it's blah, blah, blah. Check it out. 
but that was, I think, one of like the big highlights from uh, the last couple of months is just being able to escape into something like that and remembering like the media that I, I fell in love with. Um, and then on just with everything else, I worry about all of you. I really hope that you're doing well and making the most out of a very horrible situation. Turning lemon tarts in, or turning lemons into lemon tart. And that if you're having a tough time, know that you're not alone. And please seek out someone to talk to, even if it's just a simple little comment. So, uh, please, I really hope that you have a support system in some way and that I hope perhaps in some way that you listening to me talk about my misgivings and doubts and fears helps you. And if it doesn't, <laughs> just talk about how silly I am, how goofapalooza I am. And hopefully that's enough. <laughs> Uh, well, before we go, because we're getting close, I also wanted to bring up the fact that uh, Assassination Classroom is on Toonami on Adult Swim on Saturdays now. That is uh, a project that was the second season of Funimation's new endeavor five years ago of broadcast dubs. They call them simul dubs now, even though they're not released simultaneously. Uh, <laughs> they, I, they used to reserve that term for, like, Space Dandy, which was premiering, like, same day, blah, blah, blah. Um, but now it's just simuldubs in general. But, uh, Assassination Classroom is a show that we stopped doing a while ago, and it is a great manga as well. But we did two seasons, and also did Koro Q, and there was one or two movies? Here we are. I believe there's also a live action. I say I believe. I know there is. I've just never seen it. Um, but now it's on Cartoon Network uh, on uh, Toonami. And Toonami is, you know, something that I definitely had on every now and again as a teenager, but also as an adult. I don't have cable anymore, but uh, otherwise I would be live tweeting it like I used to for like Parasite and One Piece and all that, but I really encourage you, if you haven't seen it, to check it out. It's a very sneaky show. Um, we do call it Ass Class for short. <laughs> like, so much so that when someone new or someone not into anime is around, they're like, why do you keep saying Ass Class? And you just don't explain it and you run away. Um, but my, that character in the show is a character that I was fortunate enough just to get cast as, and I found out later that it was just a comment on how similar those casting felt I was to the character, and the more and more I learned about her through the manga and through the show, the truer that became. She's even a writer, <laughs> uh, and she loves reading. She's like, a, there's a whole pool episode where everyone's like, woo! And my character is straight up sitting in the shade, reading, really hating that people are talking loud. So, you know, true to life. Uh, <laughs> but I love this show so much. And I think everyone in the cast does a phenomenal job. Like, Lindsay Seidel, when I first heard her Nagisa, was like, she blew 
my mind um, in sunny, sunny straight as uh, Koro Sensei. It's just a very unassuming show because I think you uh, people going in blind know what the show is, and then it's like, ha ha. <laughs> there are definitely goofy elements, and then there are definitely actually pretty dark, fucking dark elements to it. But by the end of the show, you're going to be totally in love with it for the reasons that you are not expecting right now. And if you've seen the show, I think it's time to revisit it. Me, I'm going to be revisiting it around the same time that everybody else is, just not through Cartoon Network, unless I have a friend that is fine wearing, uh, letting me just wear a mask in their home for 30 minutes. <laughs> but who knows? Stranger things have happened. A uh, whole th- three seasons of it, in fact, and a fourth. Um, but <laughs> I really hope that you guys are doing well and staying safe. And uh, please do follow me through Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I'm posting stupid shit on TikTok. And also just a lot of clips of really random shit. But I I enjoy hearing so much from you. And I really, there were, like I said, there were other inquiries that just didn't make it in because it was a little more of the gossipy gossip. Gossip. What is gossip? Gossipy gossip. And I just didn't want to spend too much time on that. Um... It's really hard sometimes not to <laughs> when you're just like, oh, no, I've got this. But it's that whole, like, I can't go to sleep. Someone on the Internet is wrong. Like, it's, <laughs> uh, it's like drink. What is it that it's like uh, drinking a poison and hoping it kills the person that you're trying to affect? Like it, it doesn't work that way. Um, I uh, going ahead and going to go ahead and say goodbye and say that I hope I get to talk to you guys again soon and take care of yourself.